0: Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and let's look at the book of James this evening. I asked Brother uh, Schulte tonight, I said, should I preach hard or easy? He said, if you're preaching on the tongue, it's got to be hard. That's what he said. So if it's harder than usual tonight, it's Brother Schulte's fault. And uh, I was going to be just real kind and preach on heaven, but somehow he thinks we need to preach on the tongue or something. Heard about this woman, she, she came to the altar at the end of a... Uh, Sunday night service, and she said, Pastor, I've been gossiping, and I just want to lay my tongue on the altar and give it to the Lord, and the pastor looked at her, looked at the altar, and he said, I don't know if we can do that. The altar is just 17 feet long, and I just don't know if it's long enough. So here we are. We're in the book of James. James is the mature book. We believe it was written by the half-brother of Jesus, one of the sons that Mary and Joseph would have had after they came together, after Jesus was born, of course. And so uh, James is the acid test of Christian maturity. How do you know if you're a mature Christian? And as we come down to chapter three, he talks about the tongue. So we could actually call the message tongue tamers or Common Mistakes by Baptist Tongues, or Sins of the Slippery Sense. So whatever title you like or don't like, it's it's one of those three. That's all I've come up with. Out of God's creation, we are the only detailed language. And I know your dog talks. I understand this. And I understand you've got a cat. He... He talks and there's cat language and goldfish language. They just kind of open their mouth like that. And I'm, I'm sure you understand, but I mean detailed verbs, adjectives, pronouns, expressing feelings and ideas. Only mankind has a unique language with thousands and thousands of different words. So let's notice here, please, in James 3, we're going to look at this and then I want to give you some, some tongue tamers for all of us. James 3, he says, My brethren, so he's speaking to Christians, be not many masters. That word master means being in charge. He's saying you don't want to always be in charge of things, whether it's PTA meeting at school or in charge of a bus route, in charge of a class, in charge of a church, in charge of a ministry, in charge at work. Uh, don't, Don't always be the one that has to run things. He says, How come? knowing that ye shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, You're always judged if you're the leader. The higher up you are, the more faults people can see. Someone said if you don't like criticism, don't do anything, say anything, or be anything. Because if you are any of those, uh, you're going to be criticized. I guarantee you tonight, uh, the quarterback is the one being criticized In the NFL teams, beside those dumb kickers. (laughs) Hey, look, I can miss a field goal for a million dollars a year, and I wish they'd sign me up. I mean, I could do that and make it go off and say, Well, I tried. Uh, Anyway, those guys just, uh, anyway, uh, we love the kickers, right? The Bible says, Love your enemies and uh, pray for them, which despitefully, uh, 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 anyway, so where are we? So, So he's talking there about uh, the leader. He says, uh, there's going to be more judgment, more is expected because you're leading. Then he says in verse 2, for in many things we offend all. Now, offend is like uh, tripping someone up. That's kind of where that word comes from. Someone's running down to score a touchdown and you just stick your leg out and you trip someone. So he's saying, just being a Christian, sometimes we're going to, do things that trip people up. They're just gonna. Uh, maybe you've heard people use slang and say, "Stop tripping." You know, you're always tripping about something. But just our lifestyles. Some people are gonna look and say, "I don't do that church thing on Sunday," and it and it offends them. But now he says, "But if any man offend not in word." Now he's talking about our words. The same as a perfect. That word means mature man. You can get to the place you're not tripping people up by things you say. You're starting to mature. Because if you're always having to apologize for something you shouldn't have said, you didn't say it, or you said it to the wrong person, this and that, it means your words are not under control yet. Matthew 12, 34, I believe it says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Someone called this week. They said, Pastor, do you do counseling? I said, "Uh, some. I never like to say yes, because then they think I'm supposed to counsel them every week the rest of their life. And they said, how about ongoing? I said, no, I do not do that. I mean, if I can't help you after one time, it's sure not going to be ongoing. And they said, well, I'm just having trouble because, you know, it seems like every friendship or relationship I'm in, I'm... I'm, uh, I'm always saying things that are hurting other people. And they just come out. I don't even know where they come from. And I'm thinking, I know where they come from. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And I'm just wondering if I can get counsel, uh, counseling to help me control my words. And I felt like saying, are you coming to church today? Are you going to be in the house of God? Are you going to be reading the word today? It's, it's always from the heart, folks. If it comes out of the mouth, it was in the heart. It cannot come out if it wasn't in. All right, let's keep going. So he says, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same's a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Verse 3, now he gives the comparison to wild animals. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm. uh, Whithersoever the governor listeth, you know, the rudder of the boat, it turns, and that's the direction it goes. Verse 5 Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, the nap of fire, one tower went down one lightning bolt one spark started it all and then all the 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 chaos verse 6 and the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity so is the tongue among our members or parts of our body that it defileth the whole body and is set on fire the course of nature and look at this statement nowhere in the bible but here And is set on fire of hell. So the destruction of the tongue, where does that fire come from? God says it's lit in hell. Wow. So an uncontrolled tongue, you could say it's satanic. Verse 7. For of every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. So we have all these comparisons just quickly here. He compares it to a wild animal. He said it's like this wild animal. We're not going to step in the cage of a lion, not going to step in the cage of maybe a tiger. Uh, Though they may look tame, they're still wild. My wife and I were in Africa years ago preaching and we stayed at this, uh, uh, this hunter's house and he owned two rhinoceroses had him in this uh, small arena. He took the, he took the, the jeep inside I said, man, I think we're close enough. I said, you know, I don't want to be inside loose anywhere close to a rhino. So we came out. He had this pet, Nayala. It, it, it's, it's like this goat. It was about this tall and had these horns that came out straight and pulled his jeep up. We got to pet it. Well, the next year at the hunting and fishing show, I found the booth and I said, hey, where's so-and-so, the owner of those rhinos? Where is he this year? Is he, is he at the show? They said, you didn't hear? I said, no, I didn't hear. They said that Nayala lowered its head and stuck him right through the heart and killed him. It's still a wild animal. The tongue, God says, it's like a wild animal no man can tame. He said the tongue is like a wildfire that's got to be quenched. The wild animal can be caged. The fire can be quenched. And then he said, it's like a poison. A poison that could be put in a bottle and maybe put away in safety. But the tongue is more dangerous than that. Then he says in verse 9, notice what he says, and we'll give you some practical things in a moment. He said, therewith, bless we God, even the Father. So maybe we would say with our tongue today, praise the Lord. Some people got saved. Hey, boy, God's good. Some visitors on the buses. Hey, hallelujah. We had some visitors in the auditorium today. Praise the Lord. We had some people baptized today. Uh, uh, God's good. So with our tongue, we can bless the Lord. Then verse 9, and therewith curse we men. Boy, God is good. Boy, I hate brother so-and-so, don't you? I can't stand that kid. Oh, uh, so-and-so family, I, you know, we could do without that. So with our mouth, we can praise and then turn it real quickly to criticize. He says, look at how this tongue is. And then it says, which are made after the similitude of God. We curse or put down people who were made in God's image. God looks down and says, that's my kids. And we're criticizing his kids. Hey, try that on a mother. <laughs> try that on any mother. Mother. In this building, just walk up and say, you know, you got the ugliest child I think that's ever attended Hopewell Baptist Church. Who do they take out? I mean, I mean, really? Uh, uh, You're going to see things come out, claws come out, guns, knives, picks. I mean, I mean, you're not going to leave this building alive. You're you're just not. And God says, all that comes out of the mouth, verse ten, out of the same mouth. How does this happen? Proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain, you could say a water fountain, send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? I don't think so. Can a fig tree bear olive berries? No. Either a vine, figs? No, figs are on a fig tree. So so can no fountain. Both yield salt water and fresh. Now he says, verse 13, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? He's saying... Now, if you're a wise person, and he's applying this still to the tongue, let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envying, now that's one of the roots right there. The reason sometimes we get critical of other people, we envy them. Scripture says, for envy, they delivered Jesus to Pilate. That's what it said. It said, it uses that word, for envy. They have something or possess something we wish we had. It says, envying and strife. Strife always comes from pride. Only by pride cometh contentions. He says, glory not, lie not against the truth. Verse 15, this wisdom, or you could say this kind of wisdom, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, verse 16, there's confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is uh, 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 from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easily to be entreated. He's saying, here's the type of people we ought to be. If we have wisdom, it ought to be pure, then peaceable. Not at war with others. Peaceable. Peaceable in the home. Peaceable at work. Peaceable at church. And then he says, he says, gentle, easily to be entreated. Can I talk to you a minute? No. No. Easily entreated. Sure. Easily entreated. Sure. Let's sit down and talk. Full of mercy. You know what's interesting? When our kids do wrong or when we do wrong, we want mercy. When someone else's kids do wrong and someone else does wrong, we want to crucify them, crucify them. (laughs) Hey, where's the mercy for our kids? So sometimes we want something that we don't give to others. And then he says, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Verse 18, the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace. Notice the word peace is is repeated over and over and over I want to give you just several, several character traits of a mature tongue tonight. Just want to give them to you. I'll try to quote as many scriptures as I can. Maybe you might even want to, if you write in your Bible, you might even want to put them in the back page. Just something to refer to later. Not a note that gets left on the pew, but maybe something permanent. Maybe even over the picture of the pastor or something. Or maybe even the maps or something. So, just several things. What are some things we are to do without? Number one, murmuring. Murmuring. Exodus 16, verse number 8. Exodus 16, verse number 8. And the Bible says, This shall be when the Lord shall give you uh, in the evening flesh to eat, in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord heareth your murmurings which ye murmur against Him. We can read other verses for numbers. But all throughout the Old Testament you'll find Murmuring was an unintelligible words under someone's breath complaining of how they were being treated. That was murmuring. In the olden days, they had a cartoon. It was called Dick Tracy. How many old timers? Dick Tracy, you remember? And they had a guy. He was one of the cartoon characters. And when he drew his lips, it was just this kind of mountain valley, mountain valley. And they called him mumbles. Because you could never tell what the guy was saying. He was always mumbling under his breath. God hates murmuring. We ought not be murmuring people. Murmuring about the weather. Murmuring about how we're treated. Murmuring because we're forgotten. Murmuring about this. God hates murmuring. God killed more people in the Old Testament for murmuring and complaining than any other sin. More than idolatry, more than adultery, it was murmuring. We don't like the food. We don't like the water. We don't like Moses leading us. We don't like this. We don't like that. And God just took care of them. Let me encourage your parents. Don't let your kids murmur. Don't let them murmur under their breath. You tell them to do something and they say something you need to. Come here. Come here. All right. You're man enough to say it. Man up. Say it out loud. Say it to my face. What did you just say? Don't let the kids be murmurers. They're gonna murmur in ministry, they're gonna murmur at their job. Don't let them do it. Number two. And I want to say this too. All murmuring is against the Lord. You murmur against the leader, you murmur against how you treat treated, but God let that happen. So ultimately, it is against the Lord. Number two, I like that one. Here's another one. Foolishness. Foolishness. In Proverbs 15, too, the Bible says, the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Proverbs ten nineteen says, In a multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. So what's he saying there? Be careful what you say. Sometimes, especially us guys, we think we're funny. Girls don't cut up as much as guys for some reason. Uh, uh, you'll see men at the men's conference. Hey, have you heard a good joke? And men will try to tell a joke. And some of them can, some of them can't. Some of them don't even know how to do the punchline. But we all think we're funny, and something funny to us may not be funny to others. You want to be careful. You want to be careful. If you're laughing and they're crying, then you've crossed the line. Same thing at the house. We used to have that rule with our kids. If everyone's laughing at one of the kids and he's not laughing, it's over. It's over. It's already crossed the line. Now, let me encourage you. If you can dish it out, you ought to be able to take it. So so if you can throw it all out on other people, then they dish it back on you and you're all crying and pouting. Hey, just stop it then. Hey, toughen up. Okay, that's enough right there. Okay, foolishness. Years ago, it was D.L. Moody was at a big crusade. And someone had written him an anonymous note and dropped it in the offering plate for Mr. Moody. And so the ushers brought the offering to the front and said, Here, Mr. Moody, someone put a note in the plate for you. Just had D.L. Moody's name on the outside of the note. So he opened up the note right before he preached and it just said, Fool! With an exclamation mark. Moody, real quick, only an eighth grade education, but he loved God. He said, Folks, he said, oftentimes times I do get anonymous notes from people, kind of like hate mail. And uh, they'll put something hateful or discouraging and never sign their name. But he said, today someone forgot to write the note and just sign their name. <laughs> I love that right there. Foolishness. I want to say this, in, the, in World War II, and I know many of you were in World War II. Some of you don't even know who we fought in World War II. You didn't even know there was one. They used to have a little saying, loose lips sink ships. Because that was a time they didn't know who the spies were. And if your son had written you a letter and said, we're in the Mediterranean and we're coming close to... uh, to, uh, to the border of Israel now, and uh, we'll be there tomorrow. Well, maybe they'll pick up that information, give it to the enemies, and lives would die. That's why they said, you know something about the whereabouts of the military? Don't tell anybody. Don't write it down. Loose lips sink ships. And if we're not careful, sometimes loose lips will sink some new ships. I'm thinking about years ago, there was an activity. Our church had an activity. There was a brand new couple that came to the activity. By the way, brand new couples act like brand new couples. Brand new Christians act like brand new Christians. They don't dress like old time Christians yet. Their music's not the same. Their hairstyle, their kids, everything. Hey, it's all new to them. So there was going to be an activity and one of the women said something to the brand new woman about how she was clothed. How that she was clothed, clothed lustfully. That was their first activity at our church. By the way, our last activity, their last activity. And they didn't come back. Because someone had loose lips. They said something they never should have said. That's okay to believe that. But she said something and it was the woman that said it. That just seared and discouraged that brand new convert. They never came back. They got offended. Both of them got tripped up. Like uh, bars of a castle, people try to beg them to come back. No, if that's how you guys feel, we're never coming back. By the way, when you lose mom and dad, you lose your kids. And you lose everybody they're related to. And you lose all the good they could have done for God. Every soul, every class they could have taught, every bus they would have driven. All because someone said something because they were not a mature Christian and they said something they never should have said. Loose lips, sink new converts. We're talking about a mature tongue, a mature tongue. Quickly, number three, given an opinion without being asked. The Bible says, he that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him. Sometimes we don't have all the facts, so keep your opinion to yourself. You haven't heard the whole story. Well, well, I just don't think Israel should be uh, bombing those poor... Uh, You better get the whole story first. Because the news is going to give you part of the story and part of this and part of that. Be careful giving an opinion when you haven't heard the whole story yet. Number four, talking to the wrong person. Let's take our Bibles just for a moment and let's look over to Matthew 18 if you have it there. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to just kind of work through that. We will finish tonight. And so Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to look down just for a moment into verse uh, number 15. So important. It's in the Bible. So it must be true. It's in red. So it means it's real true. Hey, if it's red, black, purple, green, it's still true if it's in the King James Bible. All right. So Matthew 18, Jesus says in verse 15 Moreover, that's the name of the dog. You remember? That was the dog that licked Lazarus. Moreover, the dog. Okay, I'll help you later. But anyway, Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee. Trespass means to cross a line. Okay? He may trespass verbally, financially. He borrowed money, never paid you back. Uh, uh, maybe trespassed against you. He took your parking spot that everyone knows you always park there at, your, uh, at the church. Maybe he took your pew where you always sit. I mean, something major like blasphemy or sacrilege or something. But somehow he crossed a line, said something, did something. Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, look at this, go... So guess what? You're commanded to do something about it. You're the one offended. Here's the command. It's an implied you there. No subject is in the uh, uh, verse. It says go. That means you are to leave wherever you are. You're to go. By the way, always better in person, not a cold text. Okay, okay let's confess. Who has ever sent a text and you said, I didn't mean to say that. And it was already sent. You been there? Okay, Okay. let's really get down to it. You ready? Who was ever sent by mistake because you voice texted or you mistyped, you texted a cuss word. Slip your hand up. My hand's up. I don't know how many times I've had to say, I didn't mean to say that. I'm so sorry. And probably you saved it forever. Here's the text the pastor sent me. Moreover, if thy brother trespass against thee, go and tell everyone you can. Go and post it on social media. Go and blog it everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. That's a good Christmas song. Go And tell all your close friends. Are we still here tonight? We're going to be here a while. Go and tell them. Uh, Am I getting the spelling right there? Go, folks, it says him. Go and tell him. Go tell him what? His fault. So you're dealing with the issue. Alone, just him. Not your close friends. Not people you confide in. Someone has done you wrong, you go to them. It says alone, or go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So guess what that means? You didn't involve anybody else. Whatever the fault was, he lied about you, he owes you money, he said something rude, he took your parking spot. No one else is involved. You have now had the courage to obey the Bible and you've gone to him alone. And you get to say, here is how I felt when you did that. And he may say, I had no idea I even did that. That's the first I even thought about. Are you kidding? Really? And then you decide in that meeting if you're going to forgive them or if they want to own up to it. But that's how you start. That's Christianity. Two big commands love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. You know what that means? The goal, let's say Brother Steve does something to, to hurt me. He borrows a thousand dollars and never pays it back. He's always looking somewhere else when I come around, dodging me. Anyway. So now I've got this built up. I'm to go to him. Why? Because God wants that relationship restored. I need him, he needs me. That's easy just to write him off and say, hey, I don't even want to talk to him. It's just too awkward. You know, Steve owes me a thousand bucks and that guy won't pay me. You know, everybody thinks he's a good Christian. He's been in here all these years, owes me a thousand bucks. A thousand bucks. Thief. Now, all of a sudden, now we're kind of close. The thief is here. Thousand bucks. How much does he owe me? Help me. Thousand. thousand bucks. I wonder how many more people he owes. So now the case is building. The thief is here. I go home, I'm all fired up. Got to tell my wife about it. The thief, Brother Steve, thief, a thousand bucks. So our five kids need to know. Our 14 grandkids need to know. Because they need to know how to pray for Brother Steve. We need to put him on all the prayer chains of all the churches. You know what that is? Glorified gossip. Uh, hello? Hi. I've not heard from you in years. We need to pray for somebody. Hey, Baptist way of gossip. That's always the introduction. We just need, well, why do we need to pray for them? Oh, you haven't heard. <laughs> well, I'm more than glad to fill your ear full of it. So here's this. St- you ever have a Baptist gossip, need to share something with you that you hadn't heard about yet? Your ear was on fire. It was a wild animal lowering the horns. Get ready to... Take you out in the heart. It was a poison you were getting ready to drink. So let's keep going here. Is it, Pastor? This may have saved one of my friendships years ago if I'd have done this. It says, If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. That's the goal. Gain the brother, not ostracize the brother. Write you off, right you off, right? All these people have hurt me. I don't have any friends now if you had reconciled the differences, hey, look, there's going to be friction. Anytime uh, your kids are in a Christian school and they see the other kids Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, then they have an activity together and their teens soul winning in together. Now they're on a bus route together. Now they're in choir practice together. Now there's events going on. We have a work day, working at ladies. There is all this possibility for shared decisions and friction. I mean, pretty soon you're mad at everybody. Well, I just can't believe so-and-so's friend, so-and-so's child would run in the building. I thought they trained their children better than this. I'm so disappointed. And Christian, brother, let's keep going here. Verse 16, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee two or three more. But that's not how you start. And it goes on to explain all that. Talking to the wrong person. Discussing the situation with someone who's not part of the problem and who is not part of the cure is gossip. Is gossip. Number five, quickly here. Gossip, slander, and talebearing bearing Give you just a quick illustration. Years ago, Mrs. Matthews, a lady that Brought our family to school in the mornings. She said, I live across the street from your grandpa. His, his first name, very, I mean, he has a great name, Colbert. Every woman ought to name at least one of their children Colbert. C O L B E R T. I mean, just, it's almost one of those French romantic names, Colbert. And then, when my, when my grandmother died, all these widow women, the second week after she was buried, started delivering pies to the house. They didn't want Colbert to starve to death. They were lined up to date my grandpa. He ended up marrying Emmadale. Emmadale, second grade on, had a crush on my grandfather. She said, if you get some teeth, I'll marry you. She kind of started the standard kind of low. I mean, that had nothing to do with looks, but if you can get, her, get some teeth, I'll marry you. Well, Colbert went to the tooth doctor, dentist, I don't know what you call it, denture, denturologist, and got him some teeth. And then his kids started having feuds. He never got teeth for mom. Married to mom all those years, he had he never had teeth. Well, it was dark and Miss Matthews had looked across the street. My grandmother was passed away at that time and she saw this light shining inside my grandpa's house. Three times. One, two, three. A flashlight. And she looked again. There it was. Someone's probably broken in the house. He's signaling for help. He's signaling for help. She calls everybody she can. It looks like it's going to be a SWAT team there. They're banging on the door. Grandpa, you okay? He opens the door. What are you guys doing here? I lost my teeth. <laughs> I was on my hands and knees with my flashlight looking for my teeth under the couch. And there's that the three signals. And now my grandfather's being kidnapped. See, a story gets told. It's called a tale. You remember the old book, The Tales of Aesop's, Or Aesop, it was stories. So the tale is told. Someone takes it. They bear it. Now, I've heard the story. Now, I want to share it with someone else. That's what's called a tale bearer. We take a story and good news never travels fast. Have you noticed the gospel hasn't come to everybody's house yet. Bad news, shoo, pony express. You don't want to be a tail bearer. I've had the job of off times hearing first when someone dies. and I've had to call people out of state and out of town. I've had to go to their houses to bear the news. It kills me. I don't want to bear bad news. But some Baptists don't mind bearing bad news. Gossip, slander, tailbearer all means the same thing. Our tongue has the power to destroy. It can delight. It can direct. It can deflect. It can discourage. The ten spies, you remember, they said something in Israel didn't go into the promised land. Eve said something to Adam. He took the fruit. The false prophet lied uh, to the man of God and he, he disobeyed and the lion killed him. Job's wife could have been a hero, but she told her husband to kill himself. Miriam looked at her brother Moses and said, I don't like the woman you married. I wish God would have put it in the Bible and Moses said, I didn't ask you. God must not have liked it because Miriam got leprosy. She said that, and all of a sudden, she got leprosy. Moses was a good brother. He prayed for her. He prayed for her. I want to give you this one quickly. Criticizing a brother. In James chapter 4, for a moment, I said, Pastor, you're trying to straighten out our our, our whole tongue in one week. But here we are, James 4 and verse number 11. And in this, this mature book of James, he says... Speak not evil one of another, here it is, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law. I don't think there'd be one person in our church say, Pastor, let me tell you what's wrong with the Bible. Let me tell you what I, what I don't like about the Bible. I don't think any of us would do something like that. But God says, when I speak evil of a brother, I've spoken evil against God's law. Must be a pretty heavy thing there. We're talking about the slippery senses of our tongue. I want to give you this too, and we're coming down from the landing. We're hurrying here. Hang with me for a moment. Number next, too many words, too many texts. Too many words, too many texts. Somewhere in Scripture, the Bible says that we'll give an account for every word that we speak. Proverbs 17, verse number 27. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. A man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. He that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. That's why we've never had girl activities where it's a slumber party, let's stay up all night long. Because what happens is people first start talking about things, and after several hours, then they start talking about people. And that's never what the Lord wants. Too many texts, too many words. Ecclesiastes 5:2 God's up in heaven, we're on the earth, let thy words be few. Did a little research this week. They believe, if you were to add up all the words that Jesus spoke that were recorded in the New Testament, it was about 36,000 words. The average man speaks 10,000 words a day. The average woman speaks 25,000 words a day. So Jesus would have spoken about three days' worth for a man. That's all his words that's recorded in the New Testament. Or you could say about three hours. That's amazing to me. That's not a lot of words. Think of it for a moment. He's on the cross. Seven sentences. Six hours. The demons inside the maniac of Gadara, they said, send us into the swine. He said, go. One word, Go. He was not wordy. Our Savior said what He meant, meant what He said. His words were powerful. They were powerful. Too many words, too many texts. I want to say this one here too. Uh, let's look over in Ephesians for a moment. Can you help me? Uh, we'll be shorter Sunday. I can promise you that. I won't speak any on Sunday. So we're Ephesians chapter 4. Man, pastors... Wow, he's going to give it back to us. So Ephesians 4. And look at this, please. Number next, quickly. Justifying our words when we're angry. You ever heard someone say that? But I was angry. You know, that doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything at all. Well, well, officer, I was angry. That's why I was speeding. Okay, well, pull over and let me give you an angry speeding ticket. <laughs> Ephesians 4. Look down, please, in verse 26. Notice how this thing with anger, it comes out in our words. Ephesians 4. Uh, let me just say this quickly too. If you ever get angry at someone and you're going to text something and, or, or write them a letter, before you mail it, sleep on it. Before you hit send, once you sleep on that, kind of read it and kind of reread it and kind of reread it. You got mad at the boss, you're going to give him a letter of resignation. You better sleep on that if you don't have another job to jump to. It's kind of Kind of hang on. Ephesians 4, 26. Be ye angry. He said it's okay to be angry. And sin not. here's how long you can be angry. Till sundown. That's it. That's all you get. When the sun goes down, it's over. Unless it's a solar eclipse. And then you 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 can be angry. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If you do, notice what happens. Neither give place to the devil. The devil moves in. Skip down to verse number 29. If it's not dealt with, you're angry. Look what happens. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Anger in the heart becomes corrupt communication on the lips. But that which is the use to edifying, building up. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 31. Here's the anger. Let all bitterness and wrath that's inside and anger... Now what's coming to the outside, clamor, that's, that's words, angry words. And evil speaking, now it's critical words against other people. Be put away with you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Well, why should I forgive them? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Don't justify angry words. When you're angry. Well, I was angry. You're accountable for every word. In a marriage, when you're angry, young people, when you're angry toward your parents, when you're angry toward an, uh, another sibling, you want to be careful with that. What else? Look over in Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter 11. Pastor, how many more? We have two. We have two. This is second to last one. Here we are. So, Mark chapter number 11. Mark ch- chapter number 11. Because we're not making a series out of this. This is a one-time thing. So here we go. Mark chapter 11. Looking down into verse number 25. I heard a famous woman preacher preach on this one time. At our ladies conference. Here it is. Mark eleven twenty-five. 25. And when you stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any. That your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. What's he saying there? He's saying you get ready to pray. You realize in your heart you've got ought or something against somebody. He said you need to stop praying and make it right. Here's what Faith... Oh, excuse me. Oh, I said the woman preacher's name. Here's what Faith said. She said, if others know already... That you have ought against another. It's already gone way too far. Well, our family doesn't get along with the Guzman family. It's just known. Wow. So the ought is known. So you have ought against someone. And it's not just... Just the Lord knows and you're trying to work it out. No. Others have noticed or you've told them. That's a sin. That's wicked. It's wicked. God hates that. You want to resolve that. Why would the unsaved want what we have when we can't get along? One of my wife's relatives gave a clock to her church there in... Charleston, Maine. And when they gave the clock, strings were attached. It will go right here on the back wall. Oh, I thought they were giving it to the church. I'm sorry. I guess it was still theirs because they decided where it went. By the way, anytime you render service to the Lord, you would do well to give him the service. Let him decide where it goes. Where's that in the Bible? The mighty men brought water from the well of Bethlehem to David, And David says, oh, you've risked your life. I'm going to give this to the Lord. And he poured it out. I'm giving this to the Lord. This is precious. And those mighty men were okay with that. Well, they put the clock on the wall. The pastor decided it needed to be moved. And when he moved the clock, we're leaving the church. You moved our clock. And they let it be known. How would you like to stand before Jesus with his nail-pierced hands? How come you dropped out? Well, they moved the clock. Well, here's Paul. He was martyred. Here's a woman burned at the stake. Uh, Here's Fanny Crosby, 6,000 hymns. She was blind. And they moved the clock? Let me ask you a question. Do you have known aught toward another Christian? Have you criticized another Christian to someone? Look, look, look. Visual aid, you ready? It's kind of hard to see. You're supposed to have big visual aids. There's a little piece of dust right here on the pulpit. There's another little piece of dust right here on the pulpit. You can't see it, but it's here. This one thinks it's better than this one. <laughs> I'm more dustier than you are. I'm a bigger piece of dust than you are. In the book of Psalms, it says, and God remembereth that they are dust. We have nothing to boast of. On our way to hell before Jesus found us and saved us. And he reached way down for us. Is there aught between you and a brother? Then I'm done with this. You say, Oh, thank God. There's something to be thankful for. And then we see in 1 Kings chapter 21, 1 Kings chapter 21. And I hesitated even putting this in here, but it is Bible. 1 Kings 21. This kind of only applies to married people, though. So so if you're not married, you can kind of forget this one here. But 1 Kings chapter 21. In verse number 25. Then I'm done. 1 Kings 21, 25. And there was none like unto Ahab. You remember him? The wicked king. Which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Notice the rest of the statement. Whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred I can't give you a scripture for this, but this is just kind of how it is. Most men don't have problems that they need to talk about. Now, they may have them, but they're not going to talk about them. Ladies, let's vote. How many of you think men do have problems? Slip your hand up. Come on now. They don't start pointing at which ones. I mean, all, all men have problems, and I understand. But I'm just saying, for the most part, 37 years, On rare occasions, do I ever have a man, Pastor, can I make an appointment? Got some issues with you. Some things we need to discuss, some doctrine of the way you're doing things here. I need to sit down and talk to you. Very, very rarely, very rarely, if any. But I've had some that had a wife get angry at the pastor who when he came home from work, she pinched him somewhere, and I'm not going to tell you where, but it was on the backside. And said, you better get in there and talk to him now. So he came in. But it wasn't what he wanted to talk about. It was kind of what she wanted him to talk about. Thank God we got some men in this church. Ladies, let me encourage you. Work through those issues. Don't stir the husband up to do wrong. Don't stir him up. If Jezebel would not have been the wife of Ahab, Ahab may not have been as wicked, but somehow she was able just to push his buttons and stirred him up. So there you have it. We've given you 10 tongue tamers tonight. Things that Jesus had conquered totally, totally, that we as mature Christians need to be aware of and keep our guards up. The family would still be in our church. Some wouldn't wouldn't have said something that offended them unwisely, unlovingly, inappropriately, unpatiently. This is a great, great advantage, a great tool but it can be a great destroyer. What's that little kid song, Brother Steve? Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For your father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, big mouth, what you say. Let's zip it this week for a little bit. We've got ushers with duct tape on the way out. No, we don't. No, we're not. going to I wouldn't do that. Unless you needed it. And, uh, let's just be careful. Every one of us in this room, I guarantee you, in the last 12 months, someone has said something to you or about you that's hurt you. So let's not be the one that does that. Well, I'll let you in on one secret. You ready? Okay, I'm going to confess for Jesus. Is that okay? He did talk about people when they weren't around. And you know what he said? What great faith that guy has in Israel. I've never seen such great faith. Then when John the Baptist wasn't around, he said, born of a woman, there is no greater than John the Baptist. Jesus talked behind people's backs. But he always bragged on him. He always bragged on him. Let's be good gossips that way. How about it? Okay? I'll talk about you this week. If you talk about me to him this week. Get on your knees. If you don't like something about someone, gossip to God. He'll listen, but he'll change you. <laughs> That's what he'll do. Let's pray. Father, bless now this time. We've been here a long time.